Hi, I'm John Podvesco. I'm Ian Brunner, and this is the second episode of Discourse with two S's. Um, infinite S's is our test. <laughs> infinite S's. We'll have to put that clip up sometime. Yeah, the long, the, basically the gist is the more you say S, the more it sounds like there's more S's after the S's. True. And spelling is worse, because once you spell it out, it's just too many S's. Um, so... Today, we've brought two topics. You said, what'd you bring? Exotic pets in the United States and New York. And I brought, I started out fo- fo- blah, focusing on depression, but it eventually became more about like the three uh, Viennese schools of therapy. I keep almost saying Vietnamese because I just listened to um, Pieces Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh. Ah. And he's a Vietnamese monk. Oh, so Viennese is in, as in like Vienna, Austria. Yeah, as okay. in like Freud, Adler, and Frankel, or Frankel, however you say his name. Oh, that's cool. Um, I guess I'll start. Uh, so the first thing I started was just by getting depression statistics. So this might actually be annoying because it's like a list of statistics. Um, but so Hope for Depression Research Foundation has it. It's obviously a serious medical condition. Um, it's associated with symptoms such as melancholy, loss of pleasure, loss of energy, difficulty concentrating, and suicidal thoughts. It's both, this is something I didn't know, a brain disorder and a state of mind. Well, I, mm-hmm. I knew it, but you never think about it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, which is unique, because the brain's the only function that we consciously experience. Now, do they go into what a state of mind is, scientifically? The website didn't. and uh, But, like, I was actually relating this back to um, Pieces Every Step, because he talks about internal structures where like I was gonna bring this up later but we we'll talk about it now. Um he T Katnan, who was I believe he was nominated by Martin Luther King for the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm-hmm. I don't think he won it, but you know, he's like the Dalai Lama wrote the introduction to his book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um he he brings up this idea that every house should have like a meditation room because we have a room for every, everything else ever. Well don't we have a sitting room? Yeah, but that's not a quiet place to meditate. Oh, okay. this, like he wants this room to just be like a room with a cushion and a bell. Nice. Um, so basically, like if you had like a family that was a mother, a father, and like a child, and they got in a fight, you know, you can like the child can sense the anger and probably go hide in the room, and they would be fighting, and then like one of the parents would be like, you know what, I'm gonna go to the meditation room, I'm gonna sound the bell, and T. Nan specifically says they don't, he doesn't like the word strike the bell because it's like an aggressive thing, so mm-hmm. sound the bell. And through sounding the bell, you would know that this person's, like, making an effort to, like, not be angry and to, like, look at things from a better point of view. Um, but that sounding the bell also would re- remind everyone else to, like, you know, breathe and, like, calm down, too. Ideally, sure, but I could also see that becoming passive-aggressive as heck. It's no. like, I'm not talking to you, I'm gonna go ring the bell and sit in silence. Yeah, but sitting in silence is better than yelling at the other person. Like, sitting in silence until you can talk like a human being is way better. Unless communication is what's needed to begin with. Yeah, but if you're angry, you don't want to communicate anyways because you're just going to blame other people. You need to go <laughs> get out of that angry state first. All right. Okay. Um, how did we get on this topic? <laughs> oh, state of mind. But yeah. he talks about internal structures where it's like, um, you know people, like you, you can create internal structures in other people by like saying things to them and then they have like, you know, it changes their whole life and they build something up around it. Hmm. Um, and that's what I was thinking of as like a state of mind is like you have an it, it it could definitely be biological but you could also have like someone say you know like 
like as a kid like you're never going to be an artist and then the kid's going to have the internal structure of like being an artist is very very difficult Hmm. um so that's how i kind of took it for state of minds um Diseases related to the brain and mind also affect ten of, tens of millions of people in the United States alone, but it's by, depression is the most prevalent, and it's about 99% of mental illnesses, according to the foundation. Mm. Uh, depression encompasses both, like, you know, major depressive episodes, which is what we think about, as well as postpartum, post-traumatic anxiety and suicide. Mm. I didn't realize anxiety was considered depression. Um, sorry, I keep being dep- <laughs> distracted by the people walking by this glass window. Gosh. Um, it also says in America, depression affects one-tenth of adults in a year, or one out of ten adults in a year. Uh, it's the leading cause of disability of people 15 to 44. It's the primary reason someone dies every 13 minutes. Um, it's uh, 41,000, which compared to homicides is less than 16,000. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Yeah, suicide is still in the top ten causes of death in the United States. Yeah, I mean, obviously, heart disease and cancer are up there, but suicide is still number nine or number ten. Yeah, and I mean that's why, like in Japan, it's an epidemic, and why everyone hates Logan Paul. Yeah, yeah, Logan um, Paul's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the workplace, it causes four hundred ninety million disability days each year in the U.S. and accounts for twenty three billion lost work days. And it takes an economic toll over a hundred billion from U.S. businesses. So, like, mm. you know, businesses don't want to uh, invest in making their employees happy. <laughs> you uh, know, preventative health—that's yeah. where it's at. And it's economically hard to prove, but common sense-wise, it just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, even if it's like instead of like having an eight-hour workday, you have a six-hour workday that's way more productive. Hmm. Um, like, you know, working at Barnes Noble right now. Like, I'm pretty good for eight hours because I'm good at the job, but, like, when I work for, like, a five- or six-hour shift, I get so much more done because I'm not, like, mentally exhausted by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other side, I know of people who like to take uh, four ten-hour days in a week. See, I would totally do that if I had the option. Ah, um, that's true. Because I, I, I would actually rather work, like, three 12-hour days or mm-hmm. something ridiculous and then get like four days off in a row yeah that'd be amazing um but you know that's whatever mm-hmm. i don't think that'll ever happen unless bernie gets elected maybe a lot of things need to change in order for <laughs> people to actually be happy with the way they live yep. <laughs> um and then the final thing i got from this website was that internationally depression affects 300 million people worldwide regardless of sex culture race gender religion and socioeconomic status it's considered one of the most de- debilitating conditions in the world, with severe depression being listed as um, in the same category as terminal cancer. Um, Jeez. So then, from the Illinois Department of Public Health, it was mostly the same, uh, but it's actually also the most treatable of all mental illnesses, saying that 60 to 80 percent of cases are successfully treated, depending on the cases of various therapies and work such as psychotherapy and support groups, uh, and they partly help patients recognize their thinking spirals that can lead to depression and I actually think like sometimes just pointing out that people have thinking spirals is like the most important thing because you don't really realize you have them until it's too late awareness yeah um and that reminded me of that John Green quote from Turtles All the Way Down which is spirals grow infinitely smaller the farther you follow them inward but they also grow infinitely larger the farther you follow them out so you know just recognizing that you're in a spiral is like probably the first step (laughs) admitting you have a problem yeah. 
Um, and then I also talked about antidepressants that can help. They help with sleep, uh, appetite, concentration, take time to work. Uh, so it's important to keep taking them until they show signs of progress. Mm-hmm. After taking them, um, it's important to keep taking them for four to nine months to avoid recurrence of depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those were like, you know, just basic facts I had about depression. I didn't want this to just be a list of depression facts because that would be depressing. Yeah, depressing and all. <laughs> um, so the reason I first started thinking about depression, <laughs> I think I never stopped thinking about it. Mm. Uh, was it 2016 I was in Wales? I don't know. Um, I picked up this book of poetry by chance. Um, it was a collection of Alun Lewis's poetry, who was a pacifist during World War One, and he shot himself because uh, he was forcibly drafted into an army. Oh. Um, and uh, it's always been listed as accidental discharge of a weapon, mm. but he, it, like it was suicide, and the government just doesn't want to say it was suicide. Yeah. Um, so I was think I started thinking about most depression then and then it's just kind of kind of like an ongoing thing mm-hmm. so then i recently read man's search for meaning which i've been annoyingly telling you to read for weeks well it, it finally showed up in my audiobook queue and now i just need to fix my phone so i can li- it's a whole list of things but i'm on it yeah um but so man's search for meaning was by i think you say it frankel um i don't know how to say it like like victor frankel or something yeah, yeah. um but he uh he was a uh, what's it called um, in the concentration camps during World War Two. Uh, he um, invented logotherapy, uh, which is the third Viennese school of psychoanalysis. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, psychoanalysis. Um, he uh, basically logos is meaning in Greek. Um, so he took this idea of searching for meaning and that made it the most important search for anyone's life because he noticed that in concentration camps the people who had some kind of simple meaning would survive better than people who were like just trying to survive like even if the meaning was like I'm gonna go see if my kid's alive mm-hmm. like you know they would just have way more reason to live so basically if you had a why you could survive anyhow okay um that's the like it's been upgraded, upgraded, updated a bit, but like that's like more or less the current study of that. What what sort of reasons have you have you come across in your research? Then it's like I'm gonna find my kid. It's like what else was there? It was like I'm gonna like he he said he went into the camp and he had smuggled in his like first thesis he ever wrote, wow. and then it was like lost in there. So he spent like all his free time like writing down everything he remembered from his thesis on small pieces of paper, mm-hmm. or like you know like. Uh, I'm gonna like take care of someone I'm gonna make some kind of art hmm. um, he tells this really interesting story about this old gentleman who came to his office one day and was like you know my wife died recently and I've just been super depressed for weeks and weeks and weeks and then um, he was like you know can you help me and he was like well think of it this way uh, what would have happened if you died before your wife and um, he was like, well, she would have been devastated and very depressed. And he's like, well, you spared her from that. So not like, like at the cost of your own suffering, you've saved her from suffering. And the guy was like, he, he says the guy didn't say anything. He just shook his hand and left. Wow. Um, yeah. Does, but doesn't, doesn't that kind of gloss over his own suffering? It's like he's going to continue suffering, and sure, it's for the purpose of his wife. But... Yeah, but it was like a 95-year-old man who was 
ah. suffering was going to be very limited. Okay. Unless he goes to like hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other two big Viennese um, schools of therapy, psychotherapy or analysis, um, mm-hmm. were Freud, obviously, um, which mostly relied on finding uh, repressed desires and making the unconscious things conscious, uh, which I think works. Uh, it, it reminds me of like making the thought spirals like aware to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well it works because a lot of people disagree with a lot of Freud's things now, but it was you know the beginning. So something, something, something. Your mother. Yeah, he had, he had the right <laughs> to be slightly wrong because he kind of invented everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, like you can't get out of a thought spiral unless you know you're in a thought spiral. You can't deal with a problem unless you know you have a problem even if it's an unconscious one. So, Hmm. you know, uh, after that, there was a guy named Adler who, it was really interesting because he addressed self-centeredness as well as made it more um, uh, socially equal. Uh, So he, instead of having like a couch, you know, that you would lay on and talk to your therapist, he had two chairs. So it was like an equal dynamic. Like your therapist isn't better than you. And in fact, your therapist probably needs a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone needs a therapist. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, But he believed that not only was the internal realm uh, important, and then that also reminds me of internal structures, (laughs) Um, but also the social and community realm. Mm -hmm. So he placed emphasis on family dynamics because if you had good family dynamics, you would have less psychological problems in the future because mm-hmm. you wouldn't have all this trauma from your parents like not meaning to give you trauma but doing it like uh i read something that was a small small t trauma versus a big t trauma so like a small t trauma is like your parents saying you know like that shirt looks bad on you you're never wearing that shirt again versus Gosh. like you know ptsd which is like big drama yeah um he also, he believed there was, like, three life tasks, which was occupation, society, and love, mm-hmm. and that, like, occupation, society, love, and uh, social and community and internal realms were all, like, codependent, and the only way to, like, be happy and successful was to, like, balance those correctly. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about Frankl already, um, but he basically stated that, like, simple meanings, uh, having a simple meaning to life makes you more likely to survive. And he also said that life has meaning under all circumstances, even the most negative ones. And the human goal is to find meaning in our lives. And then we have the freedom to find meaning in what we do, even in the face of suffering. Um, so, like, the way I was thinking about that was um, that we have a lot of nuclear bombs. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to Bill Nye's podcast because I had a bomb, a nuclear bomb expert on there. And he was talking about how, like, yeah, we could disarm all these bombs. And we could literally turn them into pretty safe energy if we just disarmed all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, like you could say, like, yeah, nuclear bombs can cause infinite suffering. True. Um, but they can also be good. Yeah, it's, it's something to be said about how you can... Like, someone who's intelligent and introspective has the ability to be very aware of themselves and use that awareness to branch out to other people, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a double-edged sword. That introspection and turning all that intention in on yourself is, it, it leads to spirals. And when you spiral in on yourself, I don't know, even knowing that you're spiraling, 
it, it's more like a symptom than a cause. Yeah, well, I was I, like, a couple of days ago. I didn't even think about it because I was like looking for jobs um, and thinking about it, and I was like, you know, I don't really want to apply for these jobs because um, I I don't think I want to do them, but I don't know I don't want to do them until I at least try it. Mm-hmm. So I was like talking myself out of applying for stuff, even though I I'm like literally qualified to do the job. I have a degree in it, mm-hmm. and. Um, so I was like spiraling through like anxiety about getting a job, and I finally was like, you know what, this is a spiral. And once I noticed it, I was like able to talk myself out of that spot. But it, it took like three days. How how to do that then? How to talk it out? Like what what were the steps? Do you remember? Um, so my mom is kind of afraid of everything, mm. um, and like she. She was like, I wouldn't want to go to like Egypt given the chance because it's dangerous there, which it is, you know, it's Probably, dangerous yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But like safe as life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quote from my favorite book series. I finally uh, got through book two. <laughs> <laughs> this is the the Raven Cycle by Maggie Stiefvater. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was uh, I don't know if they're gonna be able to hear these people outside yelling. But... They're super loud and they're playing some kind of music or whatever. But oh, well. oh um, culture. Yeah. Um, we're on our campus, by the way. Um, but, uh, so my mom, I was thinking, like, you know what, like, given a chance, I would, like, jump on, go to, like, Egypt or, you know, Iran, anywhere. Hmm. Um, granted, I'm, uh, light-skinned male (laughs) who looks slightly ethnic, so I might just blend in. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, like, I was like, you can't be afraid to do things because you're never going to do anything. It's like it's like this one funny quote from uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, it's like what uh, Rick and Jerry were going on some intergalactic travel, and this intergalactic TSA agent was like, "Oh, we can't let the fear of the terrorists prevent us from flying. Then they win." Yeah, <laughs> um, it's like from a cartoon. Damn. It reminded me of this weird confrontation I saw happen on Twitter, uh, where more or less. Um, this person was like talking about how there's a difference between can't and won't mm-hmm. where he was this person was like talking they kept saying like i can't go outside my anxiety is too bad um it makes me physically sick and they were like you you're right like i'm not forcing you to go outside but you you, you can go outside you can literally walk out that door but you don't want to so you won't go outside which may or not be good for you in the long run. Like, eventually you're going to have to learn to, like, deal with people. So mm-hmm. there's a difference between can't and won't. And this person, you know, obviously took it as, like, a personal attack on them. Mm-hmm. But there is a difference between can't and won't. Like, it's not that I can't do the job I was going to apply for. It's just that I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of where I I noticed my mom, like, was like, yeah, you can't go to the Middle East. And I was like, no, you just don't want to. Like, I would love to go see, you know, the cradle of human life. Yeah, for real. Um, Everything started there. Yeah. Uh, so, more or less, you know, I talked myself out of my own spiral that way. Hmm. One more thing about Frankel. He said, he said, there's three ways to discover meaning, which was by doing a deed. Like, for me, meaning, like, I just finished writing a novel. Well, I have... 8,000 words left to finish writing and I want to die. Yeah, but out of how many? Uh, 40,000. Right, so like 80% already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, 80%. Well, 80, 83%. Third rewrite over three years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so, they, like, that was my deed. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had by experiencing or encountering someone. Hmm. So, like, you know, for the, the six months I was in Wales, that was, like, my meeting was basically to meet Welsh people and drink with them. <laughs> and out drink a Welsh girl. <laughs> German girl. <laughs> out drink a German girl, yeah. This girl was... Born in Germany, spoke Welsh, but spent off seasons of class between Boston and Germany and Wales. So I was, her accent, I was like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> um, and then the third one was by the attitude we take towards suffering. Hmm. So noticing, like, I was, um, I think it's really, it's weird because it's almost like Biden politics where it's super centrist. Which I think is the reason he'll probably win is because mm. he's centrist and he appeals to both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, saying um, everything by saying nothing. Yeah, but like this is, goes back to T. Cotton, who at first I was like, man, this is so patronizing and pedantic. Where he was saying like, you have to recognize like when you're angry, you have to recognize that your anger is a part of you and greet it, and then recognize that it's also not all of you, so you can like put it away and deal with the world in a logical and smart way. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that like Biden's centrism, we, who knows? It might be like true centrism, but like true centrism is like he told the story about how he met a girl who was raped by a pirate, um, and then there was he met the pirate and he like spent time getting to know both of them really well. Huh. So then he like went to the pirate's home village and saw all of the things that would lead to this person having become a pirate, like all the inequity and stuff. Mm-hmm. So now he was like, I can't condone, you know, this pirate being a, a good person. Obviously, his rape is bad, horrible. But I do see how you got from point A to where you are now. Um, that's like true centrism because that way you can, like, recognize both sides and then somehow fix it. Okay. Well, that's, it, but that's not like, terrible. But, like, incredibly selfless ability and, you know, having unlimited free time, apparently, to get to know people. Yeah, I guess. Jeez. Which was, yeah, kind of, it was amazing, but also just, like, not normal people can't do that. Right. Which is why he wrote that book. He wants normal people to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So then the last thing, and this is um, actually an article I read recently about ketamine, hmm. um, which is usually used for starting and maintaining anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, but I read an NPR article about it recently because it's being used to treat depression. Um and I found a Harvard article through there, uh, which listed that it could reduce su- suicidality, um, which mm-hmm. are basically, you know, the things Suicidal that, thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's two kinds of ketamine. I don't know how to say it. Ra- racemic? Rosmic? Uh, uh, where is it? Yeah, racemic. Racemic, uh, which is given intravenously and is approved by the FDA as an anesthetic years ago, but which has been used basically for forever as an off-label uh, treatment for depression. And esketamine, uh, which was approved in March of this year. Esketamine. Uh, esketamine. Yeah. Uh, and as you uh, administered as a nasal spray, uh, and we don't know all of its side effects or anything, but mm-hmm. it's out, it's addictive, which is bad. Um, but they've also noticed that if it doesn't work on like two or three attempts, then like it just doesn't work at all for some people, hmm. and they don't really know why. But they think it works because it um, increases uh, neurotransmitters, which lead to other molecules um, being able to communicate better in new pathways. 
um, and that improves thought patterns and cognition. Um, and then some side effects they have listed are high blood pressure, nausea, vomiting, perceptual disturbances such as time speeding up or slowing down, colors, textures, or noises that are extremely stimulating, and dissociation. Jeez. Um, so yeah, you know, like it's like for super bad depressive episodes because it, uh, it's really addicting, but mm-hmm. it works way faster than other um, medications. medications and like even like normal treatments for like therapy take a while to work. Mm-hmm. Um, a long time ago, I read this book, uh, Listening to Prozac by Peter Kramer. And it was a whole book of like like seven or eight different case studies of this psychiatrist prescribing pe- people Prozac. And in several of those cases, he describes how uh, like a dose of Prozac did the years of work of therapy. For example, there was this one mother who had like OCD and she would like scrub her children raw before they go to school yeah uh she would never have a dog she was kind of cold to her husband but like a couple weeks in on prozac she's considering getting a dog uh she's being like open and friendly with her husband who's being like do you want something like what what, what's why are you doing this what they get just what when you find the thing that works whoever needs it it's amazing how fast it works i i can't even i can't imagine it like i personally i'm uncomfortable with drugs that that changed my state of mind because like if if your state of mind can be changed so easy easily then what is your mind to begin with can you make the argument that we're just a sack of chemicals you should listen to the current episode of the Anthropocene Reviewed because John Green <laughs> talks about how easy it is to implant memories in people. Like if you show people, it's just like a picture of a hot air balloon with them photoshopped on the hot air balloon, they think they remember being on a hot air balloon even if they've never been on one. Just just before we started recording, we saw a music video. It was like the new like Ed Sheeran and Chance collaboration. Yeah. And it was a super sick video where a person covered in motion capture technology was dancing around and all of a sudden they like used i can't you can't call it green screen technology anymore can you they they just overlaid ed sheeran's body onto like this like skinny dancer and like we know we know ed sheeran can't dance but someone seeing this video might think he can now watch him listen to this podcast and this message like you fucker <laughs> Hey, I hope it gets us more views. <laughs> Listens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, the reason I kind of did all of this was just because I was like, we we talk about mental health and we talk about how mental health needs to be better addressed, but we never talk about how it's changing currently. So I kind of did a list of like how it was, or like indicators, major changes through psychoanalysis mm-hmm. and things that are happening now, like ketamine. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll end this segment. I feel like I've talked forever now. Um, yeah, half an hour. Um, about, it's like finally, you know, this is the, a little bit cliche, but you know, if you're feeling depressed or you need help, you have to talk to someone. And then the 24-7 suicide hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. And it's open 24-7, so you can always contact someone there. Mm-hmm. Good, good message. Um, well, kind of a 180 of that. (laughs) I saw a video on YouTube 
about a guy feeding turtles and catfish. With a Ziploc full of baggie, like a Ziploc baggie full of fish. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. Uh, the channel's called The Fish Whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in one of his videos... This is a Lifetime movie. Right? <laughs> it's just a dude who goes to a pond and feeds all these fish. To other fish. <laughs> Are they cannibalism? Well, I mean, if, if they're different species, I guess. Yeah. You know, I also saw a BBC video about, like, praying mantises, and they're classified as cannibals, but, like, they're different species of praying mantis. Hmm. Right? It's a little messed up. Like, they're all the same genus, but different yeah. species. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, fish have always eaten other fish, so I guess, I don't true. know. It's natural. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, one of my favorite videos, actually, he straps a GoPro onto a turtle. <laughs> and the thing is, he, he does it while he's feeding these turtles. So this one turtle just keeps on circling back to get another fish. <laughs> it's really cool. So it got me thinking, like, hey, what would it take to get a pet turtle from a pond? Or, like, a pet catfish? It's like I've also seen videos of koi fish who enjoy being, like, picked up out of the water and thrown and they swim back to you and like nudge you to do it again it's yeah yeah it's like what can be considered a pet beyond the bounds of a typical dog or a cat right turns out that the federal definition of a pet is a domesticated animal such as a dog cat bird rodent including a rabbit fish or turtle that is traditionally kept in the home for pleasure rather than commercial purposes <laughs> Common household pets do not include reptiles, except turtles, <laughs> by federal law. <laughs> so, like, I know tons of people with snakes. Yeah. And they're just not considered pets? I guess not. See, here's the thing. Um, when it comes to, like, large uh, boa constrictors, right? Yeah. Like, boa <laughs> constrictors known, like, like, of a size, known to kill humans are illegal. Yeah. <laughs> but smaller than that... I'll actually get into this at the end of my talk, but technically, they can be considered pets. And I'll, and I'll get into that. Now, um, what, one fun fact that I saw while uh, looking up the, 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 the pet laws in New York State, uh, I, you know, I care about New York State specifically because I live there. I guess you can say I'm selfish. <laughs> How long have you been planning that? <laughs> too, too long. <laughs> But yeah, like I live in New York, so I'm going to look up uh, state law. It's like pet regulation is one of those things where like you have the federal law and you have the state law and whichever one is stricter is one you have to follow, right? Mm -hmm. Turns out states do have some stricter laws and some states have very lax laws, which I'll get into Ohio, which is pretty cool. <laughs> it's just I'm just thinking on my flight back from Wales, mm -hmm. I watched a show about Marshawn Lynch, the when he won the Super Bowl in Seattle, and he yeah. wanted a dope fish tank yeah. um, to keep like his Super Bowl ring and plus like other like important like NFL uh, I'm gonna say paraphernalia but memorabilia memorabilia yeah and it's illegal for him to get um, he wanted like piranhas basically to guard yeah. the Super Bowl ring but it was illegal for him to get them huh. but like I mean he spent like you know like thousands and thousands of dollars on this sick fish tank and I was mm -hmm. just like man what a life <laughs> yeah for real Actually, um, I have this fish. It, it's a common pleco. It's one of those uh, algae fish, like glass-sucking fish. 
He's over 15 years old. He's a monster of a fish. He's over a foot long. My dad got him from a coworker who's similar situation. He had a giant fish tank. It was super expensive, and he had like a bunch of expensive fish in it, but they just kept on dying. And uh, he asked my dad, and like knowing that my dad cares about like fish tanks and whatnot, like what was going wrong? Oh man, I forget what the solution was, but basically as thanks, he got this fish. My dad got this fish from his coworker, and like nearly two decades later, yeah. I still have Gerald. Shout out to Gerald. <laughs> if he can hear this, I don't know, maybe I'll play it for him later. <laughs> All right, I think we were going to Ohio. Uh, no, I, I, the fun fact. The fun fact All is right. that any house with more than four dogs in the state of New York is considered a kennel. Can cats be kennels? No. Because I almost have five cats. Yeah, right? There's two cats living in the yard, so... Oh, dang. It's only a matter of time. There'd be six. Oh, is, is that that one white cat? Yeah, there's uh, one... Ellie's friend? There's yeah, no, one Salem's friend, and there's one that looks exactly like Mooch, but isn't Mooch until you get close. Oh. I thought he'd gotten out when I was chasing this fucking cat around in the mud, and oh it was God. not him. Uh, a a Moochel ganger. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, my cat Mooch is an orange demon we found on the day Scaramucci left the White House. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he is kind of a, like a mooch in the traditional sense. Yeah. Except his mooch is like, what, M-U-C-C? Or M-O-O-C-H. Well, that we, we, we well, spell it differently, yeah. Yeah. But we, I'd always tell my mom she named him and gave him purpose. Yeah. 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 Names have power. <laughs> but, yeah, so. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, kennel. A, a kennel, then, by definition, needs to have, like, a veter veter veterinary technician. So, if you're not a vet... You probably shouldn't have more than four dogs in a one or two family house. So if it's a two family house, it's still four dogs. Correct. Weird. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, this actually got into an interesting uh, realm of law in New York City. Now, the reason people care about pet, pet law is uh, how it pertains to rental properties. Fines. <laughs> Fines. Yes. Um, in New York State, like, let's say you have a dog that keeps on barking forever and barks at all hours of the night, uh, your neighbors can make a, a noise complaint against you, and the first time, the fine is, like, $15, second time, it's $25, and every single time after that, it's $50. So, if you have a loud dog, like... Like a Doberman or something? Those ones with, like, the deep, howl, like, yeah. barking ones that echo... Yeah, just be mindful of your of your neighbors, or it can get costly. Of the living force. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> the living tax force. <laughs> living tax force. Uh, so I came across a set of laws in New York City, um, where in order to okay, so so pet free buildings, people like pets, people like having a, a roof over their head. Now, what do you do when those things are in conflict? Like, let's say you're landowner, whatever. Uh, what's the word? Uh, a tenant. Uh, well, you, you oh, are a tenant, landlord. but your landlord. There we go. Let's say your landlord says no pets all of a sudden. Well, kill them. <laughs> here's the thing: some people like their dogs more than their apartments. Oh well, I might kill the landlord, not the. Oh not yeah, the pet. no, the la yes, of course, yes, kill the landlord. That makes more sense. Thank you. <laughs> No, my cats. <laughs> yeah, for real. Okay. Um, but after the institution of this law... Oh, shoot, I, I don't... Okay, in 1983. Here we go. Starting in 1983, uh, a landlord can't just kick you out of your building for having a pet. 
if it's been there for more than three months. Now, the procedure for having your pet in a building for more than three months when it's a pet-free building falls under a law that has the wording open and notorious. <laughs> Wait. Right. That that was that was my that was my favorite discovery of this whole this whole article. Uh, this this article um, in in the Cooperator, uh, New York. It, it's called "How Legal Is That Doggy in the Window?" Understanding New York City <laughs> Pet Law. Dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Notorious dog. Okay. So what open notorious means is that someone in charge of the building, like a landlord or maybe even a doorman, depending on what part of New York City you're living in, has to see the animal and not take action against it for three months. Now, for cats... So they have to see it. Like, you can't right. have a dog they didn't know about for three months. Right, yeah. Like, for instance, Ronnie did not want to pay the tax. My girlfriend did not want to pay the fee to have a pet in our apartment. So mm-hmm. we have a cat, but they yeah. don't know about the cat right now. Right. Well, I mean, think of it like this. If you have one person who runs your building who's like, who's like, I don't know, friendly and cool you could just be like hey i have a cat want to meet my cat it's like oh hey that's a cool cat if you play it off right and delay it for three months you have a legal leg to stand on when they say you can't have a pet in here just like well so and so knew that i had a cat for four months just like ah gee willikers foiled again (laughs) the ultimate batman villain yeah for real (laughs) it's actually just marshall behind as your mother lawyered (laughs) (laughs) lawyered judge fudge yeah, um, so when, when you're in like a pet-free building and there's like a cat walking down the hall, that is open and notorious. And I feel like that description is more appropriate for cats than anything else. All I can think about is bodega cats now. Bodega cats? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen that? There's like a tumbler of just cats that live in bodegas. I mean, those are like the best kinds of cats. I mean, they, they like humans. They just like attention. They just chill in open spots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bodega cats. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, there are some loopholes to this. Um, I say that the landlord or someone in charge of the building needs to take action. Action can range from, like, a, a verbal warning to, like, a letter to a, uh, what's the word? Like, like ofi- official mail. Oh, um, I can't think of the word right now. Right, yeah, like, uh, like, notarized mail. Yeah. Yeah. Um... All I can think of is the sheriff from King Falls killing that poor sugar glider in the podcast. Oh my gosh. We'll, we'll get the sugar gliders in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Everything, yes. Um, all right, so yeah, depending on what part of New York City you live in, uh, action taken by your landlord against your pet can range from like verbal warnings to, man, what, what's it called? Official mail, whatever, official mail. Uh, now, if your landlord takes that kind of action, you can claim that your animal has a purpose. You can say that it's a service animal, and if you have something that, uh, that a doctor can point to, like depression, uh, you basically win. Because if you can prove that the dog is beneficial to you, then your landlord will not have a legal leg to stand on. It all comes back together. <laughs> it all comes back we together. We picked two topics. 
that seem completely non-connected and where you find out that the entire world is connected. I mean, I hope that's that's the conclusion we reach every episode. Pretty much. <laughs> well, okay, so going back to Tikhan Nan, mm-hmm. he, <laughs> I, I almost laughed when I heard, I was listening to the audiobook, and he told this story about how he was staring at a tree and there was a leaf that about to fall off. And mm-hmm. he was looking at it and he started asking questions of the leaf as only a monk can do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I learned that the, the leaf was actually the tree's mother and he went through this whole story about that. And, like, I can't explain it in words. You'd have to read it yourself. Um, what kind of conversation with the leaf is that? It's just like, if you are the, if you are not this tree's mother, fall down right now. <laughs> um, but uh, he basically talked about, like, if you stare into a white piece of paper mm-hmm. and you don't see a cloud, um, mm-hmm. you're, you're missing out. Because, like, it takes, uh, clouds are made of water, and it takes water to make paper, and the earth to grow a tree and it takes a tree to make the paper so everything's connected and like you know you can spin off of that literally forever huh um so there's our there's our message for this podcast is that we're just going to talk about nonsense and connect it to the <laughs> entire world forever actually that reminds me of this book i read uh Proust was a neuroscientist uh i forget i forget the author but uh Critics will say that it's kind of a weak argument about how artists express neurological principles before neurology actually has a term for those neurological principles. Uh, I think the, the artist is uh, Cezanne. He was a post-impressionist who uh, he would imply mountains by general shapes, yeah. or like imply a river by a blue line down a page. Mm-hmm. And so much of what we perceive is just what we enforce on the world with our minds. Yep. Uh, my favorite example of this is an optical illusion where you have like a dot on a piece of paper and you have a blind spot in the back of your eye where your optic nerve leaves your eye. So if you can settle that dot on the white piece of paper above your blind spot, your brain will fill in that space with what it thinks should be there, which in this case is more white paper. Yep. Yeah, so we enforce our interpretations on the world. (laughs) It's gonna be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, New York State specifically, uh, says that it is illegal to have members of the Philidae family other than domestic cats and illegal to have members of the Canidae family other than domestic dogs. Uh, what about vulpine? I want a fox. <laughs> you cannot have a vulpine. Can I have a fennec fox? You can have a fennec fox, yes. Fennec fox are not the same thing. I like them because they both have big ears. Yep. <laughs> uh, but as it turns out, foxes are in the vulpini. Uh, let's see. Oh, well, fennec foxes are included here. Okay, well, I know for sure you can have one in Ohio. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there are lots of permits that you can have in order to uh, argue that this animal is not a pet, but, like, I don't know. But you, you can have an animal, and you could like, pet it, but you can't actually say that you have a pet fennec fox or you might get sued by the federal government. See, I remember the story about this guy who had a farm and a baby deer... They raised, you know, like literally was like a dog. Like it would come running when you came home because it was excited. Right. But yeah. when it was full grown, because deer are fucking stupid, and they had oh, yeah. huge antlers that like gored him once on accident. Oh gosh, <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I also I also came across the story of a guy on a farm uh, who has just lots of exotic animals, and I'll get into that. <laughs> oh, so the continuation of the New York law. Uh, let me just read it quote, quote for quote here. It is unlawful for a person to possess a wild animal. A wild animal is defined as 
All members of the Felidae family, except domestic cats, semicolon. All members of the Canidae family, except domestic dogs, semicolon. All bears, all non-human primates. Wait, so you can have a human primate as a pet? <laughs> I think that's called slavery, and it's illegal the world over. I, I thought that was called sadism and masochism. <laughs> but we can go two directions. Yeah, we can. <laughs> uh, venomous reptiles and crocodiles. Interesting, not alligators. A person who possesses a wild animal on the effective date of the law, January 1st, 2005, has 60 days to obtain a permit for the animal with the Department of Environmental Conservation. Hmm. Now, I looked into these permits because, let's say, I wanted to go to a park and adopt a turtle, like the fish whisperer. Okay, the fish whisperer did not adopt the turtles. He just went to the park and fed them on site. Yeah, it's like a better version of uh, breadcrumbs to ducks. Mm. By the way, don't, don't feed, feed ducks them. breadcrumbs. <laughs> for real, it's super bad for them. Feed them lettuce or something. It's like cats shouldn't have milk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though they'll like, even though they they'll drink it and like yeah. like it, it's weird. Yep. Sort of like heroin. Not not as bad as heroin. <laughs> Different milky substance. <laughs> so according to the uh, New York State Department of Environmental Conservation. There are license types for education and exhibition to collect or possess, uh, scientific license to collect or possess, banding license to collect or possess, and propagation license to possess and sell. Now, all four of these specifically state that they do not allow possession of a regulated species as pets. So is that like endangered? Yes. Regulated? Okay. Yes. Regulated means endangered. However, uh, that leads into... Um, another discussion about animals that you can have as pets with no legal trouble at all. Uh, Ian and I are looking at a crazy picture of a, something called a Cote Mundi on this website called PetHelpful.com uh, under an article called 10 Exotic Pets Legal in New York. Cote Mundi looks kind of like a, a, like a fuzzier weasel but it is a long-nosed South American relative of the raccoon. Oh, sorry. Uh, nope. Nope. Wait. Wait. Okay, got it. Yeah, it, this, this rascally weasel-looking thing is a long-nosed South American relative of the raccoon. And it should be legal because what New York says is that if it's indigenous to New York State, like a deer <laughs> or like a normal raccoon, then you need a permit in order to keep it as a pet. But like Ian mentioned earlier, with like a farm full of exotic animals, like let's say peacocks, as long as those animals are not endangered in some other part of the world, you can keep them as a pet. That explains the peacocks in the neighborhood that I live by. Mm -hmm. There's like they just walk around the soccer field because there's a guy, a literal millionaire across the street who has peacocks, and sometimes yeah. they just cross the street and mm -hmm. sit in the soccer field while we're trying to play soccer. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, man, what was that one podcast? It Makes a Sound? Yep. Where there is just a, a wild peacock population from another millionaire yep. that just went wild and dominated all of the uninhabited buildings. Yep. Oh, my word. Uh, yeah, so, like, this is just a list of obscure-looking animals that are actually pretty cool to have as pets, like a Kota Mundi. Um, it's reasonably intelligent, and it has capable dexterity, like a raccoon. That's a C-O-A-T-I-M-U-N-D-I. There's also like a binturong. It's like a B-I-N-T-U-R-O-N-G. It's 
It's also called a bear cat. It's a part of the feline family, but it's somehow available in New York. All right. Uh, Fennec foxes, yeah. you're asking about those. Yes, they are legal in New York State. Because every video I've seen of them is they're like cats with dogs' temperaments, mm-hmm. but way more energy than either of those animals. Like they go, they do like that cat pointless running thing, but for like hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of, like, Bombay cats or, like, skunks. Well, we have a Bombay in my house. Aggie's oh. a Bombay. Oh, Aggie's a Bombay. Yeah, okay. that's why she's super addicted to my mom and won't let anybody else touch her. True. <laughs> Very true. Uh, as I just mentioned, a little down the list are skunks. Uh, if they're young, you can get their stink gland... Removed and then they're very very cuddly. They're super smart. Yeah. I watched a PBS thing where this guy had a skunk and he was watching a video like a Looney Tune video hmm. and there was an animal bouncing on his hands on like a circus ball rolling and the skunk like got its own ball and did the same thing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yo, for real. That's I mean, yeah, that's intelligent, but that's also dexterous AF. Yeah, it's like it, it, it's like Taskmaster from the DC universe. I'm he'd like like photokinetic. Uh, memory or whatever just oh yeah yeah being able to mimic things Im- immediately imitate kinesthetic movements mm-hmm. quickly and efficiently oh gosh that's amazing uh there are kinkajous kinky kaiju <laughs> kinky kaijus yep <laughs> kinkajous that are primates that are oh oh wait yes 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 okay most primates are illegal in new york but a kinkajou is allowed they're like raccoons <laughs> and they have a prehensile tail and they look like monkeys, and they won't kill anyone, which is great. Uh, what if the purpose is only the pat is to kill someone? Well, that that has to stand up in a court of law, right? Only if you get caught. <laughs> Funny enough, the last item in this list, uh, wait, maybe it was another list, but I saw crocodiles. Wait, no. You definitely cannot have a crocodile. Yeah, but they didn't say anything about alligators. alligators. And there are alligators at the pet store in mm-hmm. my town. Yeah, the thing is, though, they get big. Yeah. Yeah, then what do you do with them? Ride them. <laughs> ride, the, ride them very slowly into battle. <laughs> well, wait, aren't alligators... No, alligators are decently fast. Oh, when they want to be. Yeah. But when they're just, like, bathing, they just, like, don't move. <laughs> That's true. Or when they're getting, like, slapped around by cats. Yeah, <laughs> those Florida cat videos. Oh my gosh, it's like anything coming from Florida is going to be riotous. It's like Florida man on bath salts chews off another guy's face. I just think of the the picture because we were in New York, and it's like, why do I live where the air hurts my face half the year? And then the next <laughs> picture is a full grown alligator or crocodile standing on someone's porch like against the door uh-huh. on its hind legs and they're like that's why I live where the air hurts my face. let me in <laughs> or, or hurricanes as long as there are hurricanes in western New York I'm good what about snow hurricanes eh, then you can make a snowman or an igloo or just make a tunnel system or throw snow at people it's like as if the sky wasn't punishing you enough with snow. You can take a ball of it and just throw it at someone, and it makes you feel so much better. <laughs> um, but yeah, other other items on the list were like emperor scorpions, which are about twenty bucks. They they won't kill you, and they're surprisingly chill for a scorpion. <laughs> the name of the episode: surprisingly chill for a scorpion. <laughs> yep. <laughs> The only podcast where we review animals based on their names. 
Yep. Oh, I love pygmy goats. Uh, yeah, yeah. The next item is a pygmy goat. I, I don't want to call call the animal an item. The next poss- pet possibility, to pet possibility, the petsibility. The, the next petsibility is a pygmy goat. They are specifically bred by, specifically bred. So you have to like apply for them. But they're uh, they're about fifty pounds and they're just super cuddly. There's a so Maggie C. Father, the author, she calls her real children things one <laughs> and two, and she has a bunch of goats. Uh-huh. And she really she also like does crazy mechanic stuff. Mm-hmm. And she released or she posted this picture. She was like, when the kids come to help you work, and it was just like a video of the goats breaking out of their cage and running into the garage where she was, uh-huh. <laughs> just like eating the paintbrushes. <laughs> Um, it reminds me of this other Maggie Stiefvater comic that was like, children, uh, kids, human children, scream, and kids, baby goats, scream. <laughs> there is no difference between them. Yep. <laughs> um, if you're a denizen of the internet, you probably know what a capybara is. It is, it's like twice the size of a rabbit. They're very chill. They get along with like every single animal. My favorite pictures on the internet are just the pictures of capybara chilling with other animals, be it cats, dogs, birds, reptiles. Like, I'm sure any alien species would be chill with a capybara because a capybara is chill with everything. Oh, word of warning though, if you get one capybara, it's highly advised to get more than one. They're very, very social and they will get sad. Like humans. <laughs> like humans. <laughs> and then they're like the, 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 the normal, non-normal pets like tarantulas, which are pretty cool. Again, not poisonous, and they're just like eight-legged puppies. And they eat crickets and superworms and grasshoppers and small roaches. I saw a meme recently. It was a poorly drawn comic, and it was a genie from Aladdin, and they were like, you know, it's like, can a hero fall in love? Can't bring him back from the dead. What's the third thing he can't? Oh, can't wish more wishes. And he was like, I wish spiders could fly. He's like, there are four rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Make it scorpions. Yep. <laughs> He said spiders, not all arachnids. Oh, gosh. Oh, I actually know someone with a hedgehog. Yeah, me too. Yep. Uh, the, the other item, uh, the other pet's ability is a hedgehog. Uh, they can be trained through positive reinforcement. Don't beat your hedgehogs, people. I don't want it to be a PSA, but I'm just putting it out there. Don't beat your hedgehogs. Only your children. <laughs> yeah. Oh, miniature donkeys. Yeah, they're about like less than three feet tall, and they're just super affectionate. We had... Before I was in my high school, someone brought a miniature donkey to class on, like, the senior prank day. Yeah? Yep. That's all I know about it, but I've heard that legend forever. Miniature donkey. If you're a fan of uh, the show, uh, no, not Community, Parks and Rec, you'll be familiar with uh, the little horse, little Sebastian. He is a horse, not a pony. And if you want similar level, levels of revelry in your life, just get a miniature donkey. Well, you know, that, that's about all I had to talk about today. <laughs> so, all, all the pets' abilities. Yeah, so, you know, there's your rundown of pet law in New York State uh-huh. and slightly Ohio. Uh, okay, uh, specifically Ohio, um, I typed into Google, can you have a pet elephant? And that's where I got into the branch of law that's like, if it isn't natural in your state, and it's not endangered, then yes. Do with that information what you will. Um, so yeah, there's your brief rundown of pet law and, you know, uh, history of 
depression slash the developments of psycho or Vietnamese psychotherapies. Viennese. Yeah. Um, if you, uh, you know, if you come across this podcast and listen to it and like it, please, you know, like and leave a comment. Um, it really helps people find us. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tweet us at Discord Pod, so it's D I S S two S's C O U R S E P O D on Twitter, and the same thing, but Discourse Pod at gmail.com for email if you want to send an email. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bi-weekly podcast, so today is the twenty or it'll be up on the twenty eighth tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, and then fourteen days after that, the next episode will be up. And we have no idea what we're looking up in. Yep, we don't we don't really have a, an idea of what the other person is going to talk about when we get into these recording sessions. Yep, and that's the way we like it. Yep, and I guess with that, until next time. Bye bye.